Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I am Subi, back for another week. Alongside me, as always, Taylor Dammel. We're brought to you by Belly Up Media. Go download, subscribe, rate, and review us on whichever device it is that you use. Your college hooper of the day, I went with Walter White from BU, a pretty recent guy from BU, and I think he gained quite a bit of notoriety and fame in the college basketball landscape, obviously because of his name and it relating to Breaking Bad, yada, yada, yada. But that's not the biggest reason why I chose him for our College Hooper of the Day. We've lost some some uh, actors in Hollywood this week, and I'm going to get into why this week has actually, over the last two years, been a really bad uh, week in terms of deaths. But in all seriousness, Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, I don't know the age group or the age bracket of our listeners and the theater goers for the most part, but uh, Taylor, you and I, we're, we grew up with Pee Wee Herman. And so Paul Rubens actually went to BU, started off at Plymouth State, which is nearby uh, where I kind of close to where I grew up, a small school, uh, obviously played Pee Wee Herman. At, look, I'd be also remiss if I didn't say that he has that one little blotch uh, on his career resume, but by and large, a well, well-respected dude and a funny dude uh, in that in that type of humor for us. So that's why I had to make the BU connection. I'm I'm always in the summer days. I'm always trying to make some sort of connection with what's going on in the real world uh, to our college hooper of the day. So Walter White, shout out to BU. Not only produced White, but also uh, Paul Rubens, aka Pee Wee Herman. Rest in peace. Check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com and make sure to follow me at CBB Theater to find out where the feet is. You should also follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel. Let's open the curtains. back in the saddle not a lot going on in the college world except for realignment something that we've all been waiting for and teams leaving the god-awful pac 12 now it concerns one of our schools arizona obviously asu as well utah we're gonna get to all of that but I, i had said in the intro that this is a rough week in terms of death taylor did you know this week last year we lost bill russell and also vin scully this year I had mentioned Pee Wee Herman off the top, Paul Rubens, but also very tragically and sad Angus Cloud from the hit show Euphoria, a.k.a. Fez. I was shocked when I heard that news. Uh, Not making light of any of these passings. It's all very sad. Obviously, last year, I'd even written in my journal. Sinead O'Connor. When was that? Within the last week. Yeah. Land of last week. Yeah. Did I miss that? Jeez. Yeah. Incredibly sad. Uh, so I would I would put Sinead O'Connor, Bill Russell, and and Vince Scully in the group of damn 
we're getting old. Pee Wee Herman, I don't know necessarily if he fits that bill, but Angus Cloud on the complete end of the uh, opposite end of that spectrum, 25. Late late July, early August is uh, a sketchy time the last couple of years, I guess. Yeah, not ideal, really, for uh, for celebrities, musicians, actors here. Um, is it? I don't want to sound insensitive because that's not where I'm going with this, but I guess as we get older, you just become less sensitive to the stuff because you realize that everybody that you and I'm not trying to put take anything away from all of this, right? It's all tragic, especially um, Angus there uh, as well, you know, dying at such a young age. But at some point, you probably hit a, a God, everyone around me is dying. And then you just realize, oh, yeah, because we're getting older. And again, not to desensitize the situation, but just a good example of that is that um, because this is a college sports, college basketball based podcast is everyone in college athletics who's getting scholarship offers now that are like 15, 16 years old, they weren't even born when we were freshmen in college. So that's just a good example, I think, not to make light again of what you're saying, but a good example of like, we are getting a little older. We're not old by any means, but like, this is just going to become more commonplace. And unfortunately, with a lot of the stars, especially athletes and and musicians and stuff like that, that we're so familiar with, it's going to become even more commonplace for people like you and I. So no, very, it's that it's weird and sad that, uh, you know, this week in back to back years has been so kind of. Uh, detrimental to the world of celebrities but um yeah a little uh, like the angus one was pretty interesting i don't i didn't i didn't watch or not interesting but pretty you know especially sad i don't i didn't watch um euphoria euphoria but i saw him all over twitter or the x and you know and all over instagram and you know a lot of people i know watch that show so yeah pretty sad all the way around man well especially in the college basketball world if we pivot right the last couple of years since we've done this podcast amongst the titans that we've lost. We've talked about Lute Olson, John Thompson, Pete Carrill, as recent as this past year, right? Bill Russell, obviously fitting that mold. I remember talking about Bill Russell pretty, we may have dedicated damn near the entire episode to Bill Russell last year. So I think the question now becomes Taylor, instead of continuing each and every year, and it's going to be a habit that we're going to have to break, but I feel like every single year we continue to say, damn, we're getting old. Damn, we are old. I think the the natural progression is, man, we're getting old. Now we're at the point of like, yes, we're old. And we obviously have that. We have the the segment that we do. Sometimes you're old as fuck. But when now, Taylor, do we just start to, to say, okay, we've come to grips with it. Like, when do we stop saying that? Oh man, we're old. Like at what point there's gotta be some sort of point or age where we're saying, yeah, like, it's not shocking to me that, I don't know, Carmelo Anthony's son or at some point who's like, what we're going to be getting. I mean, we already got LeBron's who's, who's like a mid like Kawhi son at some point in the next couple of years. Like, yeah, that makes sense. I think the oldest I'll feel is um, uh, as it relates to the sports world is when um, one of Steph Curry's kids, uh, gets it because we know Le- lebron was like from our early high school phase but like steph curry is someone we remember actively watching while we were in co- in high school and then freshman year of college um i think that will be the point for me and i know that's not going to come for a little while here but that'll be the point where okay and where we, you and i've talked about this before where you watch in a, a, a person's entire career and a lot of that started like the carmelos and lebrons when we were in our youth, let's call it. But when people who didn't come into the league or into college until we were technically adults, like adults, adults, then that's going to really start to make me feel old. But here's one for you. And a lot of the listeners, if not the very, very vast majority of our listeners are our same age group here. And let me just throw out to everybody that we are closer to 50 than we are to have gotten our driver's license. So That's if you want terrifying. to feel old, then there's a good one for you right there. As a 33 turned 34, you just entered this world. This is a new thing for you for the last 26 days. Uh, but that's something I've been dealing with since this past November is the fact that I'm closer to 50. I'm closer to the senior PGA tour than I am to driving, a, learning how to drive a car. Let's put it that way. 
I didn't need that. I for sure didn't need that. I'm just going to continue to base it off of like athletes offsprings, but that is certainly incredibly remarkably super depressing. I have a complaint now that we are talking about that. We're a little elder and I'm going to, I'll get off this real quick so we can get onto more important stuff. But I've always been a really big rap fan, a hip hop fan, like for my entire life. Right. And you know, mixtapes, I was downloading every single mixtape off Dat Piff in college and then previous to that, uh, Napster and LimeWire and all that type of stuff, right? I do feel old now when I listen to, like, all the other pop music and stuff seems, you know, similar to stuff that we've kind of grown up with, all that type of stuff. Current rap music of rappers who are under 30 is completely a foreign language to me at this point. Like Drake is still killing it. Don't get me wrong. You know, like those guys, uh, you know, are, but people, you know, like Travis Scott put out an album and I'm, and I'm, I'm not an anti Travis Scott. I like, I'm a fan, I guess. Gen Z kids talk about Travis Scott. Like he's fucking like Mozart. It's like, I, I it's wild. I don't really understand that side of the young person world. I will say that. Look, this is an open space. You can, Say whatever you want to me, maybe even in text. Just don't put that out on Twitter because you will get flamed. Or oh, even, I know. I mean, Let's. I oh no, totally, totally. Yeah. Even going into even going into social media apps, maybe you can put it on Twitter because I don't think Gen Z cares about Twitter. I don't think they care about Instagram. I think they look at that as maybe us coming up and being like, "Oh my God, you're on Facebook." And I still know some people who are hooked on Facebook. I got rid of the app, but I it's kind of done a full circle. I I've asked my nieces. And uh, a couple of like family members that are in eighth, ninth grade. I'm like, what are you on? And they're always on Snapchat for some reason. Obviously, TikTok. Like TikTok is is the end all be all. But did you know that Snapchat has made a huge resurgence? Oh, big time, big time. Yeah, I hang out a lot with um, one of uh, my wife Danielle's younger cousins. Um, I actually go to bar trivia with every week, including in several hours tonight. Uh, as we record this generally those are my big happenings of the week all they both happen on tuesday nights it's podcast we're really telling and, on ourselves on how old and, and bars and bar trivia yeah. but uh, they're just all day long snap 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 to, and they include me like i give a fuck you know in all, <laughs> in all of them and i'm like how because snapchat came out a long time ago like over 10 years ago 11 12 years ago and so it's funny i feel like you're totally right though it did kind of like a peak when it first came out or would have been one of our several senior years of college i think uh no, right it about was there. before that i feel okay like. maybe right before I'm, th- I'm thinking like 2007 or something oh no 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 instagram, instagram wasn't even a thing until like 2011 yeah wasn't snapchat yeah. prior to instagram Around that year, okay, fine. Two thousand nine, two thousand whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, but it definitely—I feel like it definitely went through a lull like five, six, seven years ago, and then now it's yeah, it's the, it's the, uh, Livy Dunny Dunn, whatever, however you say your last name, Cavender Twin, whatever. It's those people of the world who are now like driving this thing all the way forward again. Yeah. So I will admit one of my, uh, you know, Patrick's nieces uh, at a wedding. It was his brother's wedding. It was really funny. She actually took someone's phone and was doing Snapchat and put the Shrek face on everyone. So you can imagine all these drunk older people dancing with the Shrek face. I actually thought it was pretty funny. So she's doing it for good. She's using Snapchat. Well, the only other thing I'll say about age and you know feeling old and seeing all of these younger generations getting recruited and playing, I also think... There's uh, there's something to be said about seeing the dads or the moms uh, perform at such a high level for so long, right? You talk about LeBron James. We've we, yeah, we came up with LeBron James, but he's only slowing down just a little bit, right? Over the course of 23 years, Frank Gore. Frank Gore was still getting NFL paychecks like four years ago. So when you said or when they said, yeah, Frank Gore's son is coming up. It's like, yeah, that kind of makes sense, I guess. Yeah, I feel old, but that also makes sense. That's why, like, yeah, Steph Curry, but I feel like Steph Curry is still going to be playing for another seven years or so, unless he doesn't want to. So I, I think when we – and Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony, towards the end of his his career, he was bouncing around on different teams, but he had a very long, long career. I'm trying to remember some, some folks, or I think it's going to really uh, hit us – 
or we're going to, the sting is going to be out of us when we see someone who was pretty darn good, but only, I say only, only is in quotes because it's still a great career, but maybe like a 10, 12 year career. And then it's like, oh, I haven't heard of, I haven't heard from their dad in quite some time. Now their kid is coming up. Rashard Lewis, someone like that. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So I will, uh, sorry not to continue to rebut everything you say, but there's one thing that I am excited about in getting older. You know, I am having a kid. This is my last month without a child in my life. So that's, that's a whole, insane. that's kind of crazy. Right. But I can't wait till I pick my daughter and her friends up from school one day. And they're like, I'm going to guess 13 or 14 when this happens. Hopefully our podcast is still lasts that long. So we can come back to this and quote this. So timestamp this, if you would, Sue. And they're going to hop in the car and be like, dad, have you ever heard of little Wayne, <laughs> you know, or something like that. And I'm going to be like, it's like a, a light will shine. I'll be like, yes, my time has finally come that I can impress my child that I know how to rap like a hundred and, 55 pound white dude so yeah that's the day that i'm looking forward to as i get older here yeah we heard we heard about this in our music class it's a really nice old school bop uh no i mean the thing all you got to do taylor is if it's good to lean into it you don't have to enjoy the new age music this is what i say you don't have to enjoy it that's not a prerequisite but you can't be like why do you listen to this why we had better music in my day. Yeah, it I'm not really gonna, I'm sounds not a, the same as like when our parents were listening. Oh, I'm not listening. a, yeah, I'm definitely not a get off my lawn type of guy. I'm just saying that I fully admit that I am out of touch with that. And I guess I'll wrap it up with this is I think the point where you really understand if you've gotten older is when you're okay with the fact that you don't give a shit about what the people that are younger than you do are doing. And as it relates to music specifically, I'm like, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me that I'm not up to date with like the newest NBA young boy song. If that's still his name, I think it's changed, but whatever. I don't even know, you know? Yeah. Well, it's probably better because none of our, none of our kids are probably going to want us to enjoy and partake in listening with them. I remember, I don't know, my, my parents, I don't know how I got convinced them to do this, but they bought me a, the closing the curtains Eminem album when I was in like fifth or sixth grade or whenever it came out and my mom was like, you know what? I want to listen to this with you. I want to, I want to hear what we bought you, what, what he's rapping about. And obviously that particular album, I think like she heard the song cleaning out my closet, which is to this day, like <laughs> really, really aggressive, uh, especially for a sixth, seventh grader. But she was like, what, what, what does he have to be so angry about? Like, what is he so morose? What is so, what is he so upset about? It's like, do you think my mom was like, do you think this is your upbringing? Do you think, do you think you have it this bad? Like you're from the, the projects of Detroit. I'm like, no mom, it's just what kids are listening to and I'm enjoying it. Please turn the, the radio off and go back to NPR to appease dad. This is super awkward. That, that exact album, we were in the car with uh, Cody Hoxie's dad and I'm not uh, a proponent of littering when I say this, but we listened to two songs and he ejected it and tossed that shit out the window right away. That was a great, great memory right there. Yeah. So Eminem, if you're listening to this, you were part of our, obviously he knows who, he's part of our formidable years, but yeah, some two specific stories. All right, T let's hop now to some big 12 talk. The big news uh, of the last couple days, Arizona, ASU and Utah potentially heading over to the big 12. I'm going to hand this to you. All right. Because you know me, the theater goers know me. I don't care about the speculation. I especially hate when there's a ton of speculation that has seemingly been going on for months. Now we're, we're we follow the beat reporters. We follow even national reporters and it's always just, Oh, there's, there's an inkling that some movement might happen. There's, there's this, meeting happening and, and Arizona border regions did meet yesterday, which was a pretty sizable deal, but it's all speculation up until this point, nothing has officially happened. I'm more of a wake me up when something actually happens, but Taylor cash the people up because I know you are far more in the, in the weeds on this than I am. Oh, I've got a lot of spicy takes on this. So I'll try and keep it down to a minimum here. Uh, so I don't ramble on for half an hour. So let's start with the speculation side of things. The three schools you listed, two of them are really much more speculatory than one of them is. Is it the Arizona of, schools over the Utah schools? No, no, no. U of A is ASU. about a nine. It's about a ninety-eight percent. Like they're gone. They're they're out of there. Especially as the um, 
especially as the deal media deal that was um, uh, relayed to the Pac-12 schools today or uh, yesterday uh, came about. Um, President uh, Robbins from University of Arizona has had a kind of rule of thumb that he has where if X amount of games are going to be streaming, then that's not what they're going to go with. And the dumbass, is, I'm, the Pac-12 is so, it's the dumbest group of people. It's so funny because they, the Pac-12 has for a long time, and rightfully so in a lot of ways, um, really has pushed that they are a very academically forward conference. And with the likes of USC, UCLA, Cal, Stanford, uh, Washington especially. I'm not going to masquerade here like U of A or ASU or Oregon or Colorado. We're out here really, you know, the Harvards of the world here or anything like that. But they've always been big academically. Or at least that's what they've pushed as part of the reason that they've stuck together for this amount of time. For his conference that really pushes the how highly academically forward they are they must have the dumbest fucking group of people that runs the conference and the school specifically it's such a strange like ah, what's the way to put it like just dichotomy yeah, yeah thank you yeah to just say like that's yeah. my academic that, thank you to the basketball for Appreciate getting that, that work so um you know the larry scott previous pac-12 commissioner moron totally jacked the conference up Every single person listening to this podcast, there's 80% of them don't have Pac-12 network. Don't have any idea where they can find Pac-12 games. Can't stream it, whatever. And and if given the opportunity, wouldn't buy a streaming package specifically for the Pac-12 anyway. And that was with the LA schools still around. The two biggest brands of the conference, right? Um there's been a, it's been kind of a fun debate to figure out what the biggest brands of the Pac-12 behind um, uh, the LA schools have been, and that's kind of been an interesting discussion. Um, it's made me feel, as an Arizona fan, um, I don't want to say vindicated. That's not, that's not way way to put it, but very good about how a lot of the things I feel about our institution that we went to school with are actually more true than what maybe people have always argued with me have wanted me to believe. Um, you know, like this specifically is a very, very, very good proof positive that Arizona is a much bigger national brand than ASU is. The Big 12 doesn't give a single fuck about ASU. They really don't. They have, they're only going to take ASU as a partner school with Arizona because Arizona's national basketball brand is what the Big 12 wants. And I don't, and people can argue with me and say, well, this, that, and the other, and that's fine. Whatever. I don't care if 18 of the other programs we have in Tucson are are worse than whatever your school you represent is that's fine but the big thing the big 12 is looking for here is the fact that we have the seventh most valuable basketball program in the country that's a big deal to them and so fortunately we host a college basketball podcast where we can focus on basketball things right so that's been kind of fun for me and then it's also been really interesting to see that um these other conferences view washington as a as a much more valuable brand than oregon um, and I think that's a kind of an interesting talking point as well. Um, you know, Oregon, I think the fear with them is from what I've gathered doing my own research, Subi, as some would say, <laughs> is, um, you know, Oregon's a huge football brand, but the fear with them is that if, or well, if, when Phil Knight passes away, can they sustain right because he's just it's a it's a blank checkbook right it's t and pickens with oklahoma state right can this program still continue to see succeed at this level when they can when they can't just call phil and say hey do you mind if we got another mind if we grab another hundred mil from you real quick so that's interesting washington is a far superior academic school um to oregon so that's a big factor but the key here is is as it relates to the schools that you brought up utah arizona and uh, Arizona State. So as I understand it right now, and this is with doing, this isn't just like a quick roll through Twitter. This has been a long running thing is that um, pretty much what's going to happen is Arizona is going to leave to the Big 12 unless President Robbins fucks this thing all up, which is the only way it's not going to happen at this point. Um, and the next folks in line that the Big 12 would want are Oregon and Washington as a partnership. And that's the only way they're going to take 16 teams at this current juncture, from my understanding. Now, 
if they pass because they potentially have offer from the Big Ten upcoming as the Pac-12 falls apart, then that's when ASU and Utah would potentially fill the, in line. Now, the problem is, is it's going to be the same pie, right, that the Big 12 has. How much do they want to divide that, right? So do they want to divide it with ASU and Utah as well? In your opinion, Subi, are Utah and ASU big enough national brands that they're going to bring in more viewers than they're going to get money divided to them, if that makes sense? That's a good question. I think ASU does have fans all over the country. Uh, I can make a joke about how they admit every everyone, and that's why. But I won't do that because I'm a bigger person than that. Utah, I don't know about their brand. See, like I, I, I don't have a good sense or a good feel of brands, uh, you know, outside of the Southwest or the West Coast, maybe. But Utah, you can't argue with their track record and their success, especially in football. Right. We, everyone wants to de facto default go to Oregon in terms of them being the face of the conference uh, in football. If it's not USC, which it is, USC is number one or was number one. But you had mentioned, you know, who's fighting behind that. I could argue Utah for sure. They're in Rose Bowls. They win the conference. Uh, they're in New Year's Six Bowls. Now, Oregon does have a playoff berth with the Marcus Mariota team and a national title game berth, I should say, as well. But I, I think in terms of brands, I don't know. And that's, it's about the dollars. It's what they can bring in. But uh, in terms of winning and in terms of success, I think you're getting that with Utah. I think Washington, they've kind of fallen off a little bit, but their football program is pretty strong. Not necessarily sure what you're getting with ASU though. And again, this is not being rude. I'm not trying to be a hater. You can't convince me of the two major sports in basketball and football that you know, I can hang my hat on Arizona State basketball or football being successful. I can definitely hang my hat on Kyle Whittingham. Oregon's going to have maximum maybe a two or three loss season in football, right? Arizona basketball is going to be a top three seed and, like you said, the seventh most valuable uh, basketball program in the country. But in terms of if you offered me ASU and Utah, right, as a package in one hand, right, you got this one box, and then in the other box you offer me Oregon and Washington. I'm going to go with Oregon and Washington. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. So I think for the big 12, it's if Oregon and Washington want to more so than, cause I don't think there's any conference in the country that wouldn't take those two schools, right? Like those are two name brand valuable schools, especially football wise. Right. And Oregon's been to a final four in the last uh, five, six years now as well. Uh, an old so, man, seven years. I, I know. Yeah, right. I had to think about that for a second. Dil Dylan Brooks has been in the league for a while. All right. So here's the problem, though, as it relates to ASU, and, I, and this is going to come across as a little biased, but I am, in, in a way, boots on the ground here. I'm five miles from campus, so I get a lot of it here. Now, ASU has really tried to change their perception nationally uh, over the last decade. If you notice, their sports have really... Uh, taken a hit because of that as well. Their um, president, Michael Crow, is not a sports guy. He's not a sports guy. And it's the same reason why ASU doesn't have any real Greek life. Like they're trying to change their entire perception of this party school. And they are really, truly 100%. This is not hyperbole, a joke, anything like this. They're trying to align themselves with Stanford to become a large research institution. Okay. And that's great. Right. But just because I want to be a six foot eight fucking NBA player doesn't mean I'm going to get there just because I want to be right. And so sometimes it's better to lean into what you are than to try and become something that you are not. Because if you look at how the Valley or the Phoenix area feels about ASU athletics and how the country feels about ASU athletics, Nobody cares about ASU athletics. Like they just, they just don't. They are the third, fourth, fifth top, even today on local sports radio. Cause I specifically tuned in to see what local sports radio was saying this. Even today, they were the fourth topic of discussion about what is a monumental change in collegiate sports that's going on. Was like we the Suns jerseys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly what it was. And then if where like how Buda Baker's contract was going at Cardinals training camp on day two, like, you know, are the D-backs going to make an MLB trade deadline, which is fine. That's an okay story to cover first trade because the D-backs are good and you know, all that it is the but trade deadline. 
But Phoenix is a very pro sports town. And I think that's what makes a school. I mean, continue to be sound like I'm biased, but I'm not biased in this situation because this is a true statement. Arizona has the entire Tucson market to themselves. That's true. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Maybe, maybe five or 10% random other shit, some ASU people, whatever. But U of A also has 50% of ASU's market in Phoenix. 45% of 50, 60, we you know somewhere in that range. So it's like ASU only has half of the Phoenix market and that's it. U of A has half of the Phoenix market and their own kind of market in Tucson. So I think that's what makes it a little more um, attractive from a, from a national brand standpoint, or at least from a conference branding standpoint where they don't need two schools in Arizona because U of A will cover enough of the state for them where they don't have to bring in another school that may or may not ever be elite at anything they want them to be anyway. So um, that's how I think that's, you know, that's why I think U of A has been the choice here. And I'm not saying that I would be against ASU or Utah coming over with us. Yeah. yeah I would, I, I would get a little bit of satisfaction out of, fully proving that they're a little brother and we're a big brother by saying like, listen, these motherfuckers didn't even want you. Okay. But we took you to, we decided to drive you to school today. Come on, get in the back, you know, whatever. So um, let me try and uh, not ramble on so much here. So as it relates to what the PAC 12 is offering their schools currently, it's a $20 million per school with incentive, but mainly based it's all Apple TV, which don't even get me started on streaming, streaming. sports. Yeah. And subscribers. But, it, but especially streaming as your only option for mm-hmm. sports. Because think about this, right? And I'm and I and I get this. Okay. So Arizona is far and away certainly not the biggest football brand in the conference. Like we know that. Okay. We're bottom four, arguably, I would say, in football brand in the Pac 12. So when ESPN and ABC and Fox and everyone has to buy the games from Apple TV, which is likely only like one game per week. They're buying the Oregon game every week. They're not buying U of A Oregon State in Corvallis at 9 p.m. Like that's not going to happen. Okay. So you're going to have to get Apple TV if you don't have it. And it's not even offered in their normal cable package. You have to then, just like their MLS package, you'd have to then spend $100 on doing that. Well, we already have a big enough problem going out in public and trying to find Pac-12 network on TV. You think you go anywhere west of Valencia or like, you know, Casino del Sol in Tucson, they're going to have or anything east, excuse me, of that, that anyone's going to have bought Apple TV for their bar so you can watch. No, you'll never be able to find a game of ours ever again. And... That's what I don't understand. There shouldn't be an argument here as because there's certain people in Tucson media who are pushing back on this. And I tell you what, there's never been a better example of how some people in Tucson want to play the victim all the time. And I think that's the only, like they want to be the victim that they want to be the victim because you got people who I'm not going to name that are members of the Tucson media who are like, we could go out there and be innovative and start a new trend. It's like, no fuck that like no we've already tried this and failed and would you rather go tailgate in manhattan kansas against the number eight football team in the country or do you want to go again to pullman in the winter right do you want to go play kansas at fog allen Fieldhouse every single year i mean there's a legit likelihood that not every year of course because everything's cyclical but but there's a legit possibility that kansas baylor Houston, Arizona are the top four teams in the country, not the top four teams of the conference, the top four teams in the country, and they could all be playing each other at the same time. Why anybody would ever want to pass that type of opportunity up just blows my mind. So sorry for ranting for a while here. I have so many more thoughts on this, of course, but you know, I just, I just don't understand why anybody still in today's day and age I know streaming is the way, but I think streaming has just gotten so convoluted and expensive and difficult that it's st- that it's a walk back. And I did want to make another Gen Z comment, if I could. In 10, 15 years, there's going to be some Gen Z genius that goes, guys, 
why don't we just put like a receiver on the top of everyone's house all the channels and then you can get all the channels and you don't have to switch between eight streaming services and everyone's gonna be like oh my god what a fucking great idea that is and this i'm not anti-streaming as it relates to anything else other than sports but it just becomes so dumb now that you literally have to buy we're we're on this the stepping stones of having to buy like five different streaming services to watch college football on saturdays and that to me seems dumb as shit yeah it's almost like that gen z tiktok or whatever it was when they described a landline uh, a landline phone so what does this mean for arizona right uh, i'm glad you mentioned all of the names i know you personally love manhattan kansas i feel like it's your cincinnati ohio but what whatever, uh, I, whatever. yeah right. no well I, I don't want listeners to be like why the fuck did he say manhattan kansas i'd go with like norman oklahoma even waco austin well but norman's right? not, norman and austin aren't going to be there by the time arizona mm, that's there, true no. that's a good point that's a good point all right then i will i will stick with uh waco then um but uh, no hang on i, I gotta get someone else hey maybe check out uh Morgantown, TC. Fort you know Worth. what? You might Fort Worth. Fort Worth. All right. No, you you know what? You might be right with uh with Manhattan then. But what does this mean for Arizona? If and and as as it pertains specifically to basketball, because the Big Twelve is coming off of their best year in so so long. Looking at this landscape, man. Baylor, BYU would be super fun. Just going to Provo for a game. Uh, UCF, I could do without. That's fine. But there's always bottom dwellers. Cincinnati. That actually helps for me. Uh, how did I forget Cincinnati? Houston, you had mentioned. Iowa State. Imagine playing in Ames. Hilton Magic. That would be amazing. Uh, obviously, Lawrence. Manhattan for basketball as well. Uh, I'd love to go to Gallagher-Iba. Oklahoma State. TCU's on the up and up. Right? West Virginia. Uh, who knows what they're going to be doing the next couple years in basketball. But that could still be a lot of fun. I mean, personally, for me, selfishly, uh, and, and you had laid out all the great points for how this benefits Arizona, but personally, just for the ease of finding your game, for big-time matchups, for not having to stay up super-duper late, uh, maybe for home games, but you know, away games, you don't necessarily have to do that because you're right, that, that Arizona-Colorado game is probably going to kick off at, at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time because nobody cares, nobody wants to watch it. And I mean, to, to your point, Taylor, about some of the some of the media saying, "Well, we could be part of it, something something innovative or something that's tried and true." It's like that Peter Griffin Family Guy sketch where he's like, "You know, we could choose the boat, but which is what we've always always wanted. We've always wanted a boat, or we could choose the mystery box. That could be anything, even a boat, right?" That's like. We've struggled for so long and we've been the butt of so many jokes. Nobody cares about us. You want to talk about brands? Maybe I don't know brands specifically for all the college teams or all the universities. I know for a fact, Taylor, the brand of the Pac-12 is one of a complete and utter joke. It gets stuffed in the locker like Napoleon Dynamite every single day. It's pathetic. So I want some relevancy. Going back to how this helps Arizona as well. And you might disagree with me on this, but I'm 10 toes deep on this. And looking at that schedule and looking at those opponents, and again, this only this only pertains to basketball because we're going to get our shit kicked in in football, but that's totally fine. I don't care. But as it relates to basketball, they're no longer, if they move to the Big 12, they I, I, I would assume, and because I, I can't imagine the Pac-12 is going to be any better with some of these teams, Arizona is no longer going to enter tournaments with an inflated resume, with an inflated uh, record now why did look last year was shocking absolutely but I think a lot of people bought in I was ready to let people buy in on Arizona last year when I normally say no we're going to choke I was ready to let them buy in last year because of the out-of-conference schedule for the most part and beating UCLA twice now this upcoming year they have an insane out-of-conference schedule as well and of course they're just genuinely they're a pretty damn good team Fine. But how many times have we seen Arizona teams enter the tournament with five or six losses? You know, like what is beating up on Oregon or Oregon state or Utah in their down years or Colorado? Does that really move the needle? When in reality, I think I'd rather have an eight or nine loss Arizona team that has been through absolute battles with the likes of Kansas and Kansas state and TCU and BYU and Baylor. I'd rather those battle tested resume uh, Arizona teams come into the tournament maybe as a four seed as opposed to like a one or a two after only being able to, I mean, we're Taylor, we're probably not even going to have to have conversations 
about like if we're if Arizona is a 27 28 win team in the Big 12, no longer, Taylor, do we have to have conversations about, well, if they win the Pac 12 conference tournament, then maybe they could be the third one seed. No, you're pretty much a lock. And that is going to be nice. It's also going to be nice going into the tournament where anything can happen. I understand that. But going in with a little bit more of uh, a hardened resume as opposed to, right, going to, ASU or maybe a down USC or Cal good Lord who I love. I'm, I'm glad they hired uh, our boy Madsen, but Cal and Stanford enough, like get me some real opponents here in the big 12 game. And you know what? Even if they don't suck, we're going to have that bias, which is great. That's all I've wanted. Well, and I love that as a part of the new Pac-12 or Pac-9 uh, media deal that the it's going to be a subscriber. There's in subscriber incentives. So, you know, for every, you know, five or 10 million more subscribers that they get because of this, you know, the money will go up. We discussed on not so distant podcasts that Cal averaged 2000 fans this last year, the lowest in like the history of high major D1. Do you think? Are there going to be 5,000 Cal fans that even pay for this? No, of course not. So like, so now you're becoming completely reliant on the other schools, especially as Arizona, Oregon, and Washington specifically. You're becoming reliant on the Oregon states and the ASUs and the Wazoos to help you make money by driving your subscriber base up? Hell no. No, those schools aren't going to bring in a million subscribers combined. Uh, well, maybe ASU would, but you know what I'm saying? Like those schools aren't going to, they're going to provide you with an extra, what, $500,000. I know enough people, I could go borrow $500,000 from someone. <laughs> like if you're an institution of that size, you shouldn't be relying on some dude freezing his ass off in the Palouse to try and make you some money. Okay, that, that, that makes no sense at all to me. But I'm 100% with you on what you were just saying though. You know, let's take... Uh, if Arizona, for example, joins the Big 12 in 2024, um, our out-of-conference schedule will consist of Duke, Gonzaga, Purdue, uh, and I'm forgetting someone fairly major. Wisconsin. Well, I think we're, Wisconsin. I think we're done with Tennessee. But yes. anyway, so that's four. Okay. And then, so let's say we split two of those. Okay. So that's two losses in the out-of-conference. And then you split your season series with Kansas, Baylor, Houston, and Kansas State. All top fifteen teams in the country, right? So there's six losses, and then you're gonna lose a you're gonna lose a random one on the road to Oklahoma State or to Iowa State or even at home, you know, whatever. So you're completely right. Like an eight loss Arizona in the Big Twelve is is more valuable than a three loss Arizona in the Pac twelve, like by a long shot. How many times have we seen, looking at bracket breakdowns, a Big Twelve team in Arizona's region with eight losses, and you're like, they kind of scare me because oh, they've actually totally. played real competition, right? I mean, and 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 another thing about recruiting, real quick, Taylor, all those venues, like Arizona recruits incredibly well in terms of basketball. I don't know how much better they can recruit, in, just generally speaking, sure. right, over the years. Uh, but outside of Poly Pavilion, if you're a recruit, is there anywhere in the Pac-12 that r- revs you up to play? Like, obviously, you're playing at home at McHale. But outside of Poly Pavilion, what? I mean, the problem with the Pac-12 is that it has such peaks and valleys in terms of what good arenas are. Like Heck Ed Pavilion at Washington is awesome when number two Arizona goes in there. But it's not awesome when six and 18 Oregon State goes in there. Like there's four people there, right? And so like at least in like the Big 12 at a, at a Fog Allen, you know, all those type of places, those fans are built in because they're only there to see their team. And that's what I really like about this as it relates to the fan of the Big 12. There's no passion in the Pac-12 compared to the Big 12. Oh, absolutely. And that, that goes in, into in the any, brand thing. In, yeah. yeah, in any sport, right? So we could go tailgate, and I'll just bring up Manhattan, Kansas again, just because that's the place I know the best of these schools. Manhattan, Kansas is a such a great experience. And you would never, ever in your life be like, I'm going to move to Manhattan, Kansas. Hell no. No. Right. But for every, but on eight Saturdays a year in the fall, it's fun as shit to be there because it's passionate. And, and I will say, as much as Arizona's football program sucks, they have a very, very good tailgating 
seen as it really as it compares to how good of a football program they actually are. Now, much of that has to do with the weather. And so what I like about this from a football perspective, let me I'll get back on course here in a second. But think of how cool those tailgates, especially for the first five years in Tucson are going to be when those people from the Midwest, it's October, it's November, you know, and they're like, you know, what we should do is we should go tailgate in Tucson rather than tailgate in uh you know corvallis right and so sub you and i and our good friend of the program ted scroback had a wonderful time when oklahoma state came to town years ago <laughs> yeah, yeah. <we> did. <laughs> a very very memorable experience for many of us and that could be every single weekend essentially in tucson because you just know that you're not going to get that 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 passionate fan base even from like the washington's and the oregon's of the world you're not going to get that uh, in, in terms of like a travel base to your to your school. And so think about that too as it relates to basketball, right? Well, of course, people from Lawrence, Kansas are going to want to come to Tucson in, in, in February. You know, of course, people from Fort Worth are going to want to come over and catch some spring training games, you know, go to two basketball games in Tucson in March and then head up to Phoenix and go to a couple of spring training games. It's going to be a big boost, I think, to the schools, just the economic impact the school has on the community. So I think that's really cool. It's going to be a year-round type of thing. Um, and I, I think that's a it's an under talked about uh, part of this. You know, you're not ASU game coming down. You don't get any money out of that. No one's staying the night. No one's doing anything like that. The LA schools just aren't coming over here because they got they already have the same weather that they got going on over there. Cal and Stanford, nobody gives a singular fuck about traveling for their sports. Same with Oregon State. Same with Wazoo. Um, I mean. Yeah, I just there's no downside to this to me. And and it's just to me, it's exciting. And what let me go back one second, because you brought up recruiting. And that's where I was going to go with this is we might lose out a little bit. Well, I don't know. I don't know if we'll lose out on a California recruiting because USC and UCLA are going to be even they're going to be even further away than we are from where they're going to play most of their games in the Big Ten. You know, so I don't think we'll lose out on that, but we're going to gain. And I'm not talking basketball. I'm just saying sports in general here. I think it's going to open up a big Texas pipeline. You know, I mean, like we're now, hey, we play in your state four times a year now, yeah. not just like, hey, we're close enough that you're a two-hour flight. It's like, no, we're actually going to be in your state like four times this year. So like, and that's for recruits, going to be even better than maybe even like the California or the Washington or whatever. I think it could be a a trade-off there. Now, if we think football, right? USC, UCLA might be losing out on some California. I don't think USC will because that's USC. But then you're also gaining potentially the Ohio's and the Michigan's, right, which are great football states. In the grand scheme of things, I don't know how great they are in terms of basketball. Uh, Ohio did produce arguably the greatest player of all time. Fine. But outside of that, like the Midwest, right, that's Big Ten country. Big 12 country, though, right? You had mentioned Texas. Texas can go up against against uh, California in terms of basketball players. I feel like Kentucky has a serious pipeline in Houston and Dallas. You think about Tyrese Maxey, uh, that, that comes to mind. But, you know, I, I'm just – none of this really matters actually for Arizona because we're all just – we're just getting international players at the end of the day. Tommy Lloyd is just going to go international as, a, as it relates to basketball. But uh, exciting stuff. I'm, I'm, I just hope they get it done. But the trepidation and the hesitation, Taylor, is – all of a result of this speculation and the Pac-12 just being the biggest pain in the ass to work with. And also Arizona's ineptitude sometimes too. Okay. Their leadership, I think you had mentioned that isn't, isn't a hundred percent reliable either. So I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not holding my breath, but for the love of God, if we, if once I get that tweet from Thamel or any other major outlet saying that it is official, they're going to the big 12, I'm going to be like Andy Dufresne after crawling through miles of shit, sitting in the pouring rain with his hands to the air saying, thank God. And then when that first tip comes, I'm, we're going to be on the beach. You're going to be like Morgan Freeman walking up with the suitcase and we're going to watch that first game together. And it's going to be great uh, in the big 12. So here's the last question I want to ask you, Taylor, before we move on, <laughs> is it going to happen? Are we getting this done? From what I understand, which is pretty in-depth, it's going to happen for Arizona in the next, I'd like to say, day. And the decision's probably already, that's the tough part about this, the decision's already been made. Like It was probably already made well before today's um, 
uh, announcement or yesterday's announcement of what the Pac-12 deal was going to be, because the only nobody expected the deal to be good. Not a single person in the world expected the deal to be good. So the only way Arizona stays is if they have some kind of random blind allegiance to a conference that doesn't even really exist anymore. I mean, if USC and UCLA were still here, I'd be like, okay, like keep the entire 12 together. It still wouldn't have been my preference, but I could understand, you know, but now we're not even going to Southern California, which is where half of our alumni base lives. You know, like we don't, we we don't even really have a home here in this conference either. So what there's no, like the PAC 12, PAC 10, whatever bullshit of old is not, even a thing at this point. And like I was telling uh, a couple of friends of the programs today is, is that, yeah, like every nostalgia is cool. And nostalgia is great. I lo- I'm a huge sports nostalgia guy, especially as like a Packers fan and a, you know, whatever, like a, you know, all the history and the kale said all this, like whatever sports nerd history guy, whatever nostalgia er, memories, like stop and start at some point. Right. Like, people who are our parents age remember when arizona left the western whatever the fuck it was you know western athletic conference with new mexico and new mexico state and wyoming 40 50 years ago and previous to that it was 30 years before it was the border conference you know like all of this stuff that we have that we view as like nostalgia is is just going to start over because if i'll bring up my daughter again if I could be like, yeah, remember we've been going to games at Kansas for 25 years. Well, that's going to be that's going to be that next version of the nostalgia and the connection and all of that type of stuff. So, I think that part of it is overplayed a lot. As much as I like the, you know, cuz we got to admit that like college sports as we know it is not even close to what it is even 10 no. years ago. You know, like it's not so we got to get over this uh Rose Bowl pomp and circumstance. We, you know, Nebraska, Tom Osborne. Like, I mean, that's that yeah. that t- time in the world. Notre Dame and Ray Nitschke and all that. It's all over. That's all. Unfortunately, because I like all that stuff. Unfortunately, it's all over. And I think some people are just slow to get to that point and understand that that's where we're at. And we got to do what's best for us and make sure that our brand and our school. Um, and the money maker and the real thing that that makes us go as an institution athletically um, is the healthiest it can be. And for Arizona, that's basketball and that's joining the Big 12. And I don't think I think you got to just even if you lose the rivalry with ASU, who even if cares you, about which, that? Who gives enough? Dude. I don't know. Oh, uh, oh, I was trying to explain that to another friend of the program, Cody, last night. I'm like, dude, I can't even begin to tell you how much i don't give a shit no one cares yeah no like nobody cares and in football it's in in football and basketball they're both easy enough to schedule as an out-of-conference opponent yeah well the thing is the thing is is like yeah asu has had some better relatively better years than arizona in football but the, the thing that makes a rivalry great if when the two teams suck i mean you could you have to be in football country like alabama uh, or if one team sucks and the other's good, fine. That's kind of what it is like in basketball. But neither of the Arizona ASU football is – neither of them are going to the Rose Bowl. Both of those teams are like barely scraping for any bowl whatsoever, right? I don't know. This past year, we got Kansas-Kansas State in basketball, which was electric, and it mattered, and it meant something to seeding. I don't care about Arizona ASU. That's not a marquee matchup. People need to get – like. Taylor, I'm talking to the state of Arizona. Get it out of your head. Nobody cares. Uh, if you think people don't care about the Pac-12, even less people care about Arizona ASU outside of the folks that went to that school in Tempe and that school in Tucson. Nobody cares about that. And actually, it's funny. I was looking at the Big 12 conference, right? You look at a school like Cincinnati. Maybe that's a pro town. Of course, you got the Bengals, you got the Reds. Uh, but the Cincinnati-Xavier rivalry is huge. And I think more people care about that than they do Arizona ASU. So yeah, enough of the rivalry, man. That that should be the last thing on our minds. It's not a rivalry in basketball. Like in football, I could get if we wanted to play like traditional, the territorial cup. I get that, but that's very easy to schedule in, just like a lot of schools in the country do now. Iowa, Iowa State, you know, whatever Texas and Texas and. Texas Tech, all those schools will have to figure that out in the future. But it's not an uncommon thing. Football is easy. Just schedule one of your out-of-conference games each year. 
is Arizona State, and you play it the Friday. You can keep it on the same date. It's a very common thing. But for basketball, Arizona's won 80% of the games over the last 40 years. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't. If their name wasn't ASU, right, and they weren't right up the street, there would never be even a consideration that we would continue to include them in our out of conference or our, co- our schedules every year. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to beat the shit out of the same school over and over and over and over and over again for 40 years. So yeah, I don't care if we play them in basketball and even so you still get 15 out of conference games schedule. Whoever has got the football game, the other school has the basketball game each year and just flip it. It's not really that hard to figure out if we want to keep that going. Look, just develop a rivalry with TCU after that after that tournament game. How about that? All right. And I, and I would probably mad at us. Let's develop a rivalry there. And I would say I'd rather see us schedule UCLA basketball oh, yeah. and flip that every year than giving a single fuck about if we play ASU basketball ever again. Yeah. UCLA is a basketball program that I dislike, but respect immensely. And uh, ASU, I, I just don't care. Like I, football doesn't move the needle because my team sucks too. Both of our teams, that territorial cup, uh, territorial cup football game is for the first one to like five wins. Nobody cares, man enough. And yeah, ASU won on a three quarters length buzzer beater. Both of us, both of us ended up sucking, but you know, Arizona won the PAC 12 conference championship, whatever. Uh, the, I think what's getting lost in all of this is that the biggest plus in this move would not ha- would be not having to play at Kilkenny court and Oregon's disgusting floor. So we just move over to TCU's disgusting floor, but Oregon's is the worst in the country. So I will make one more note of this, and just because it's funny, and this goes to show you how out of touch, and I hate to say this because academics are really the point of all of these schools that we're talking about, right? So there's a live stream, or was a live stream, that has already ended about the Arizona Board of Regents meeting that was happening while we were on this shoot or recording this. I bet you the live stream usually gets like four <laughs> people, right? Like, and there were like at one point hit over 2000 viewers of this. And you could tell one lady of the board of regents had no goddamn idea why there were thousands of people <laughs> watching this board. And I don't, I haven't been listening obviously, cause we've been recording this, but you could tell, and I don't think anything was even ever going to be discussed or voted on or anything, especially not live on, on, streaming but you could tell one lady was like why are all these people here and it's like yeah that goes to show you who's really making all these decisions in college athletics it's a bunch of people who don't even really understand like what's going on yeah big news we'll see what happens maybe this time next week taylor because these things move fast maybe this time next week will be the latest and greatest member of the big 12 let's get on out of here these last five minutes talk about your boy you've staked claim to him a couple of weeks ago john bowl now you mentioned him in reference to verbally committing to florida which he did but he has since committed to Ole miss and chris beard and it's funny we were talking last year i think when todd golden got the job at florida we were wondering you know how can this young guy who's who's a really good coach i like what he did in year one at florida i think there'll be a tournament team this upcoming year and he was obviously awesome at San Francisco, but when he first got hired at Florida, we were like, how, uh, you know, how, how is he going to adjust with the cutthroat recruiting uh, in the SEC? Now, at that point last year, he didn't have to worry about Chris Beard, but now he does. And I'm going to tell you something, Taylor, without you getting mad, talking tournament tournament teams, I would not be surprised, and I'm going to go out on a limb right now and say it, uh, that Ole Miss and Chris Beard are going to make the NCAA tournament next year. I'm envisioning a Sean Miller type of renaissance year for Chris Beard. Now, Sean Miller unceremoniously fired from Arizona. Chris Beard, the same thing at Texas, obviously for different reasons, but took a year off uh, and now they're back. And now Chris Beard has a really solid team at Ole Miss that I think is poised to make the tournament. Here's here's what we're looking at here uh, for Ole Miss. Expected to return Matthew Morell, who is electric. I think he had a game where he shot like eight of nine from three. He's a lot of fun. Jamin Brakefield and TJ Caldwell. Newcomers, Alan Flanagan. Why is that name ringing a bell? Well, he was a solid contributor at Auburn. So Flanagan is down there in in Oxford. Uh, He's also got Austin Nunez from ASU. We are familiar with him. And then Musa Cisse. Musa Cisse has had a a bit of an inconsistent career uh, coming over from Oklahoma State. But those are some nice pieces, especially in a year one for Chris Beard, who uh, someone who can coach. We've seen him coach without the 
name brand, crazy talent. Remember that Texas Tech team that made it all the way to the title game with Moretti, Mooney, right? Jarrett Culver was ended up being a, uh, a lottery pick, but I really like this team. And now the addition of John Bull, who, by the way, is Ole Miss's highest recruit in school history. I like them as a fringe team to make the NCAA tournament. And by the way, this I, I said this about Rick Patino when you know he got going and rolling at, at St. John's, which has culminated over the last couple of weeks. But at the very least, if you're a St. John's fan, you know the buzz is back, the juice is there. And now you don't know if this is 100% going to translate to the court, but you know you have something to be excited about. Ole Miss, I don't know how much they care about basketball, but the excitement is back now with Chris Beard because it just took him a few months to land the highest recruit in the school's in the the program's history. I mean, I think they got a big enough of a basketball following. I mean, the Marshall Henderson years were pretty lighted yeah. there, I would say. Um, so I think that they have a opportunity and the SEC just has become a, a very good basketball conference as yes. well, which is very helpful to this. And that's why I think that you are correct that they are going to be at minimum a bubble team this year because they're going to play a lot of tough teams and they're probably talented enough to knock a couple off accidentally, you, you know, even, even if they're not supposed to win those games, right? Like John Bowles probably going to be good enough to accidentally have like a 28 19 game what you know just i'm not saying that's what he's going to average but at some point he's going to have a game with a stat line like that um i i would agree with you you know at these are the tough situations as college basketball media members like ourselves are you know where when we talk about people like chris beard we unfortunately have to separate the the man from the coach if that makes sense or i don't want to know you know obviously we don't know exactly what happened in his situation i don't want to speculate anymore on that but just saying like hey this guy is a really good basketball coach of more than a more than a really good basketball coach i mean if he can take if he can take texas tech to a final four why can't he take Ole miss to a final four i mean I, that might there, be it i mean maybe down the down the line down the line well, yeah knows? yeah not this year not this year i'm just saying in, in as a general sense like yeah it's oh, not yeah. like te it's not texas tech certainly doesn't have more or less you know opportunity to make a final four than Ole miss would yes. yeah well i mean right we just yeah. saw and we just saw sdsu and fau make the final four so i mean that's well, just the, oh, the name of the game really right. but yeah but absolutely. those but those goals didn't have a coach Fine. that had any type of pedigree I'm that had you. already done that yeah no so yeah. i i'm totally with you john bowl chris bowl 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 and then the other bowls, yeah, it's going to be a, a great – let's put it this way. The the talent that is now mixing in the salad bowl that is Ole Miss, that's going to you know come together quite well. Let's put yeah, it that way. Well, you want to talk about mixing, let's mix in the two topics we talked about today, all right? Arizona potentially going to the Big 12 and how that's going to uh, inflate and, and be a better resume uh, and Ole Miss going to a, a Final Four potentially. I'll be willing to bet that no matter where Arizona goes, Ole Miss will get to a Final Four prior to Arizona. What do you think about that, Taylor? I start. I started negative with the deaths, and now I'm ending negative. You know, I will say, Sub, you were less pessimistic about this uh, Big Twelve situation in Arizona as I expected you to be. I will tell. I will say that. What do you mean less? I've been. I've been waiting to get the hell out of. I know. I, I know. You're the. I have to be the optimist. You have to be the pessimist. Okay? That's true. So, I, so I'm happy that we were aligned on how excited we were, and that you didn't throw in a little bit. Well. Yeah, we're gonna get our shit kicked in in the Big Twelve by real schools. It's like no, well, okay, I did say are... that about football. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. But that's oh, well, basketball, that's a, yeah. That's, that's no, a whole no, no. Debate, I, we but... can hold our own in basketball, baby. Yeah. Well, Develop and that's rivalry with Houston too. Yeah, and maybe maybe at some point the people who actually are from Tucson and are Tucson media members will realize that like Arizona is a big basketball program. Yeah. They still don't get that, and I'm not trying to say that we're Duke or Kentucky or I I understand like there are certain national brands that just are what they are. Right. And I understand that we are the tier that's right, but right below that, yeah, you know, right below it. that. But, but it's just kind of funny, man. You listen to two people from Tucson and Tucson media. They sound like, like I was joking that I will say this guy's name. Cause fuck this guy is Greg Hansen. And that is like, I can't wait for his article to come out. Well, if Lute Olson wouldn't have been a good basketball coach, we wouldn't have had to deal with this PAC 12 realignment. We could have just stayed here and been like wazoo. And we could have just been happy with nothing, you know, but Lute had to be good. So fuck that guy. He's such a loser. 
that, <laughs> that I'm sure there's a way he's going to find on hating on this. So that's what I'm excited about, about this entire thing is maybe Tucson folks and Tucson media members will realize that, Hey, we actually have like a pretty good basketball program at Tucson. I don't we'll know. See. They should maybe sl- slide over there and check it out sometime, you know? Taylor, you actually did a good job of rating me back just a little bit because I find some Tucson media members uh, to be way too optimistic about this team sometimes, thinking that their shit don't stink. And so they will be taking down a peg or two, all right, in the Big 12 in terms of balance. They're not gonna they're not gonna be expected to win the Pac 12 every single year. Yeah. And I right? think that's a good thing. I think that's what's gonna I help think that's even, a great thing. I think it's gonna help even everybody out where it's like, hey, if we lost seven games any of the previous years, it'd be like, wow, this team blows. But it's yeah. like now, nah, hey, you lose seven games and six I'll of them it. are to to top twelve teams, that's not that's fine. Like that's how it, that's how you get tournament tested. Yes. That's another thing where it's like, yeah, you look at Arizona's bailing out on the tournament early over the last few years well i would say that like just like you said lack of competition and testing in regular in in your regular season schedule is part of that you go play the big 12 tournament in kansas yep in kansas city and you're gonna play three or four consecutive tournament teams to win like you've already had your little actual real tournament and you're just not gonna have those annoying like I mean, UCF is the only throwaway basketball program in the entire conference. Everybody, like, no, I agree. Like, Cincinnati's down, but yeah, they're good. Every other team could make the tournament in in any given year. And UCF almost beat Duke in the tournament like three or four years ago. So it's not like they're even that far up. Just give Dawkins tipping. Give me more Taco Fall there. Where's, Where's Tacos, little brother? Yeah. But again, I'm back. I'm back ranting about the same thing. So continue on. <laughs> no, we're done. We're done. Uh, just get it done, please. President Robbins. I, I don't care who we go with. I don't care who we leave behind. I just want to go. I'm, I'm tired of being the butt of all of my friends jokes about the soft. Nobody cares about the PAC 12 conference. All right. So we'll catch you next time here on theater and college hoops.